welcome dreamers for one final dream here on Katie Keencast. I'm Alex, a dreamer first and foremost. Ah, that's great. It's the final dream down with your dream team. I'm Justin. And I'm Pete. And I tell you what, you know, you're saying final, but, uh, you know, hopefully we get some news here. It's picked up for season two. You know, I know you mean just the final episode, but when I hear words like that, it kind of breaks my heart. You sure. Know? I, I think that's a good thing to talk about probably towards the end of the podcast. Interesting. Uh, or, you know, Interesting. Or when it comes up organically during the podcast. No, you know, if either it comes one. up you know organically I mean? during the podcast, I'm going to shut it down, Pete. I'm just going to shut it down. That was really organic. Gr- that was really organic the way you did it, Pete, by just saying it instantly, bluntly at the top. <laughs> well, he said final. I re- yeah, I yes handed that. I reacted to okay. it as you're supposed to do. Wow. You know, and uh he then just said fuck you. So Okay, yes. Mr. Improv. I mean Dr. Improv. Yes and uh <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Great. We are talking about the final episode of season one. Is that okay, Pete? We're gonna talk about Thank chapter you. thirteen, come together right now. Come together over, me. over Pete. Over Pete. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is the oh, last episode of season one, so lots of big stuff coming down, lots of huge events in the life of our four favorite NYC friends, uh, and this yes. was a packed episode. I also thought this was a great episode. Uh, this really, to me, felt like, even though I have enjoyed the season overall, it's had the same proposal of energy, uh, the excitement as the premiere to me. Uh, what were your guys' take on it? It felt sort of faster uh, mm-hmm. than I expected it to. And a lot of the kids, because I, I liked it as well, but um, I didn't quite see the pace coming. It's always, most of the episodes have this sort of sort of nice, like easing into like a warm lavender bath uh, pace to them. Lavender. Um, but this would definitely felt sort of Riverdale-esque in its pace. And a lot of the characters were doing stuff where I was like, wait, what? Don't know. Why? And so... <laughs> More like, more, uh, would you say like more like a nice warm bath of Mountain Dew Code Red rather than lavender? Exactly, and nothing yeah. clears right, so, up nothing clears up your skin like a <laughs> dip into a pool of Mountain Dew Code Red. Code Red. Uh, so I would like to say though that you know I appreciate your plugs for lavender, very soothing, all about that. Uh, but uh, that's I right, big lavender feel... shout out, hoot hoot. Send me some of those hoot, sweet stink up? flowers. I got my lavender candles. I'm ready, man. Oh, look what at is going on with you? You are like we're taping this midday through Sunday. You are on. Like uh, fire right now, Pete. You got flowers behind you. You got lavender candles. What's happening? What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm just saying I gotta, you know, I gotta stay pumped up, ready for the show, you know. So, uh, but getting my set ready. Um, but I just want. I think that, like, I agree with Justin. Normally, the show is nice because it's not fast paced. It's not. It's a nice, relaxing show about friendship and you know, living in New York City and yes. kind of a. Filter view, so it's fun. Um, but this episode, uh, I very much enjoyed it, and it kind of uh, uh, got back to its roots a little bit of what's great about this show kind of like natural musical numbers that kind of happen because that's what the character's going through and doesn't feel forced. Um, so I was very happy with this episode, a lot happened. I mean, I wasn't 100% happy. I felt like they were a little short. You know, if you run all the way to the train station for somebody, would you, call you it? Would you call something. this episode a knockout, a KO? <laughs> I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't. It was close. Uh, you might call it a TKO. Uh, uh, nice. Okay. A total knockout, right? Yeah, That's exactly. what that stands for? Technical uh-huh. knockout since it's the last step. But, uh, uh, okay. you know, what, what really pushed it over the top was a little... Little Grand Central match. I guess it's just not in the cards uh, for those two little lovers. Nice. Oh, when you're talking about it. Grand Central Magic, you're over. talking about that really cool Apple store that's like kind of built into the corner of Grand Central, and you're like, oh, I'm suddenly in an Apple store. Or right? maybe, that magic or maybe you mean Grand Central Magic like a fun flash mob that just happens to happen there at like once every <laughs> couple hours. My Grand Central Magic is the food you can get downstairs. Wow. Uh, that is a good food court. I'll yes. give you that. And I'll tell you what, if you're a man like Pete who loves eating in mass transit hubs, (laughs) you're going to love the Grand Central Market downstairs. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, you can smell the meat. The Grand Central Market, like the actual market there, is very good, I will say. Like, forgetting about the food court. What are we talking about? Let's get into recapping, Katie (laughs) Keene. That was just a little New York flavor from our pals, (laughs) Alexander Salvin and Pete LePage. Fine diners on the subway system. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you, I used to go shopping and hang out for a very long time, just like looking at the cheese and the fruit and the nuts and the coffee, the Grand Central Market all the time. It's a good place. Oh, that's right. Because you were a uh, 19th century orphan, right? You would <laughs> yep. go there yep. to look at the cheeses and say, wow, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Cheese, where do you get yeah. those big wheels? Please, Pete, with uh, his uh, tall, tight pants and his suspenders, would create a distraction, and I'd grab an apple out of one of the buckets. <laughs> wow, you too. Yeah. And then we'd split it. Yeah. Best Until- friends. <laughs> Good times. Bunch of scabs we were. Speaking yeah. of scabs, let's talk about the Fab Four because a lot of stuff is going on with them. Kicking it off with Katie Keene. She has several jobs, the two main jobs that you need to know about. One, she is apprenticing for a guy named Guy, Lantan- guy Man- La Montagna. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he... Sorry, it's French, Alex. It's totally understandable. Yeah, it's I'm like doing French page. on Duolingo, but that hasn't come up yet. Oh, wow. Oh, no? <laughs> when do they La cover Montagna, characters from Katie Keene? The Pad. Le Pagetarien, uh, Peter Le Page. <laughs> anyway, t- talk about Satan. Uh, yeah, so uh, Guy LaMontagne, a.k.a. Satan, is uh, running things uh, at Lacey's. Katie was working for him, found out last episode that not only had he stolen her designs, he had stolen designs from every assistant pretty much that he ever had. Ooh. He also is Ooh. sleeping with her. He's kind of her boyfriend, uh, which yeah. complicates things. Just a scotch. Just a tiny little bit. Um, But she comes to blows with that this episode. The other thing that's going on, she has another job, which is in the personal shopper department at Lisey's. Her former boss was Gloria Granbilt, who got kicked out. She was kind of a frenemy mentor, a frementory, if you will. Yes, Uh, and And sort of a mother. So she was more of a momnemony, sea anemone. He barely made it past that, and you dove right back into it. I'm trying to cover the basics. We're not here to rush. We're here to settle into a cool <laughs> lavender bath. Have I talked about mm. lavender? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you got any candles that smell like that? <laughs> I sure do. Oh, nice. nice. Love it. I wish I could smell it through this camera. Uh, so Gloria Glebelt was the boss. Uh, Amanda is her other frenemy who works in the department with her, is co-running the department, though, frankly, Amanda is pretty much running it by herself. Last thing you probably know, want to know about Katie is that she was formerly dating a guy named K.O. Kelly, who's a boxer. Uh, K.O. Kelly is love. dating a woman named Zandra Cabot. Now, segueing into that, Zandra Cabot is a very rich lady in New York City who stole all of <laughs> Josie McCoy's song 
songs, her band, the name of her band, the look of her band, created a band called Zandra and the Kitty Cats instead of Josie and the Pussycats. That's Josie, so different. That's very different. I think it's, it's totally very different. fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's like uh, how those other people have that uh, Kitty Keen cast yeah. that they put up, which isn't upsetting to me at all. That totally cool oh. dudes. No one would ever judge yeah. um, that. No one ever think we would dislike them just for absolutely replicating the exact same thing. <laughs> so uh, Josie, though, has her own band. She's been clashing with Zandra over this. She's also been clashing with Zandra because Zandra used to date a guy named Alex Cabot, who turned out to also eventually be her stepbrother. Uh, Alex Cabot fell no, off the wagon. Nothing recently. weird there. Nothing oh. weird. How many people have you ended up dating that you like your parents end up marrying? Like I've I have zero. some zero really zero. That's so zero. really no, I've dated most of my siblings. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Step siblings. Don't say that. Step siblings. Step siblings. Step siblings. Don't say that kind of stuff out loud. It's totally fine. It's not a big deal. So Alex fell off the wagon because he started working with his dad again. Uh, Josie is pretty upset about that, which we get into more this episode. Moving on to Pepper. This was one of the big cliffhangers at the end of the last episode. Pepper finally opened up her dream multi-use art space, the Pepper Plant. Oh, yeah. Every child dreams of somehow, (laughs) someday, owning a multi-use space. You know, you shit on that, but it's a beautiful dream where uh, all of her friends can be in one place and create things and uh, uh, be happy together. So fuck you for shitting on that. I'm not shitting on the dream. I'm I'm sure you guys, when you were um, on the streets, just looking at those big wheels of cheese behind the glass, thinking someday I want a space with not just one use. But multiple uses. (laughs) I don't know. I used to turn to little Pete. Eat his cheese. What? I was going to say a whole room for Alex and all of his cheeses. Yeah. Well, usually uh, in that case, I would create the distraction and Pete would grab the wheel of cheese and we just kind of ride it down the street while the cheesemonger would be chasing after us and say, you come back here with my cheese. Yeah. It's fun. Fun times. You guys were mice, right? (laughs) In this fantasy? (laughs) Well, see, what we would do is we would hollow it out like a tire, and then we'd get in the tire of cheese and roll it down the street. So Mm -hmm. you'd then eat this uh, street cheese, this cheese you've ridden? We'll eat it the whole way. If we got away from the cheesemonger, who, again, in this scenario, is a giant cat. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think we're all on board with what's happening here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Pepper, you want to... Oh, yeah, Pepper Smith. Uh, so she got arrested at the end of the, end of the last episode because she is also a big old con woman. She had trained under a woman named Miss Frisia, uh, who trained her to be a con woman. She had ripped off Alex Cabot's money and got arrested for it. Yes, Pete, what do you want to say about Miss Frisia? So Frisia, not to be confused with Frisia from Dragon Ball Z. Ah, uh, yes. Everyone at home is nodding their heads like, yes, that confusion was happening for me just now. Yes. Well, I, I know, thought for a second it, I was listening to a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Thank you for clarifying. Um, do you think that uh, Bernadette Peters is often, does she do the voice for Frisia on Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> <laughs> she is so talented. Uh, I bet she could do it and do it amazingly. Wow, way to spin that into a compliment. I just think, Pete, it's pretty ballsy of you to bring that up. <laughs> I don't know why it's ballsy. I just want to make sure people are dragon know, aware ballsy. of what's that's <laughs> dragon ballsy. Oh, uh, oh walked right into it again. <laughs> 
I've never said that before. That just occurred to me. <laughs> it's just an idea uh, I just had. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Pepper Smith, she got arrested, <laughs> thrown into jail. Uh, one other detail that you probably know about her is one of the secrets that came out about her is that she didn't grow up super rich. She actually was dropped off as a baby by mysterious parents and raised by the doorman in the building that she grew up in, that Miss Frisia was in. That's how she met Miss Frisia. Uh, and she introduced her dad to Katie Keene the last episode to try to make amends for the lies that she had laid down through their friendship over the course of the entire season and beyond. Uh, last person you need to know about is Jorge Lopez. Jorge is an aspiring actor, or rather, he was an aspiring actor. He had given that up to follow his dreams of being a drag Broadway. queen. What? Uh, on Broadway, yes. Broadway actor. Sure, That's Broadway actor. That's um, different. Yeah, it is different. It's not like he wanted to be a film actor or anything. He'd be like, no, I have Broadway dreams. He wasn't going out for commercial work. He wasn't going out for, he was going out for Broadway stuff. Let me just say, as a classically trained actor, you often start with the stage and then you make a transition to other other different mediums, Uh, perhaps uh, commercials, film, Mm -hmm. television, uh, light pornography, like whatever sort of goes with what you're working on. And this particular thing, Jorge was talking about his dreams of being on Broadway. That is correct. Thank you very much. He gave those up momentarily to pursue his actual dreams of being a drag queen uh, named Ginger Lopez. Uh, He uh, pushed back on that or actually reversed course because his dad was very upset, very worried about him um, for multiple reasons, which we'll get into when we talk about the episode. uh, But also because his parents who own a bodega as well as the building that Josie and Jorge and Katie all live in is up for sale. They're going to lose the entire building. So he is hoping to go back and make a little money for them and give up his dreams at the moment. Um, Probably more things you need to know, but we'll get into it when we talk through the episode. How should we do this? Should we talk about everybody's storyline individually? Because they do, given the title, come together, uh, but they are still pretty separate as they go. Yeah, let's uh, talk about them separately, and then we'll bring them together um, for the last couple scenes. Mm. Okay. Uh, Should we start with Josie? You want to talk through Josie? Oh, Pete, do you want to... Is there something you want to bring up? Well, I I, I thought we were going to kind of go follow the episode, but that's cool. Uh, Yeah, let's go into Josie's storyline then. Hit us up. Yeah, so Josie's storyline, just sort of to give you guys the broad view of what happens there, uh, is... She is mostly dealing with Alex Cabot this episode. Uh, she finds out yep. that Zandra has taken over Chubby's, the story that she works at. Well, she hears she hears she her hears song. her song oh, right, on the right, radio right. first, and uh, just as she's about to just relax with a couple dozen donuts, she's just going to chill in the, in the apartment and take down a couple does, a couple of dirty yeah. does of plunkin' donuts, <laughs> plunkin', <laughs> and they go out of their way to replicate uh, the classic Dunkin' box. With I gotta say, Plunkin, uh, I would eat that over Duncan just on name alone. Well, because really? it probably has chicken in it, right, Pete? <laughs> yep. Chicken yeah. donuts. Uh, well, but that's not the only pun. That's not the only classic Archieverse pun that they do in that scene. They also reference V100, which I enjoyed a lot. Like, that's what she goes over to because Z100 was my radio station growing up. That's, oh, that's what really? I listened to. Yeah. Um, because it. That's uh, you were a Z morning 
Zucru? Is that your... Yeah, yeah. That's uh, This is totally legit. There was a girl that I liked in high school. I'd never yeah. listened to popular <laughs> music. And she was like, oh, I love Z100. So I was like, I love Z100 as well. And so we would wow. drive around all the time in senior year and listen to Z100. And we'd talk about how funny oh. the morning zoo crew was, how much we loved oh Elvis God. Duran. And that, uh, that t- woman is now your wife? <laughs> uh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> oh, what no. just happened? I'm kidding. I'm is your kidding. Wife That's there? a joke. You better no, she's in the other room. I would never she's say this other. if she was here. And is she a big? Yeah. Is that girl that you dated a big time radio DJ now? Uh, yeah, right. That girl is Jennifer Lopez. Wow. No. <laughs> wow. That'd no, be but quite I would say Wendy Williams. I would always wake up with the Z Morning Zoo. It's New See, York's number from, one zoo now. What? We, I'm from upstate New York. We had uh, 93Q with Ted and Amy in the morning. Uh-oh. Wow. Pete, what was I'm your morning? also from upstate New York, and we would uh, listen to Brother Wheeze in the morning. Brother Wheeze. Was that a, on the radio, or was that just a friend of yours in the barn next door? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a barn next door, man. That guy, <laughs> Wheezy dude. <laughs> we when someone's wheezy, you got to put them in front of a microphone because that's exactly what but the people want to hear. When as soon as I moved to New York City, though, hot nine seven all day, er day. <laughs> uh, yeah, that woman sucks when she hears when Josie hears her song on the radio and Xandra singing it. That is so painful to see when it happens. And she has such a great kind of like monologue about it when she talks about how. Her, all she's dreamed about is hearing her song on the radio and to dream that and then hear somebody else singing your song. Whoo, that's it goes from a dream to a nightmare quick. It's a stolen dream. And that's why I think it's weird throughout this whole episode. Josie's sort of like pretty nice to Zandra. Um, like in a way where I was like, what is going on? Especially because Josie throughout the season has been really harsh to Alex, the man who is like trying to help her and loves her. I think he does love her despite his problems. And she sort of loves him, it seems. But also she just rakes him over the coals nonstop. And Xander well, is truly the villain. Well, it, first off, Alex is a bit of a fuck up. Okay. Um, you know, he can never, uh, his computer keeps freezing and he can never record podcasts correctly. <laughs> no, but no, the guy no, no, is like, no, not no, Alex no, in the no, podcast. No, no, no. Oh, well, right, right, Calix right, right. We're talking about the Cabot, Cabot, Cabot. Yes. My fault, By the my way, fault. thank you no. for uh, blaming me for things out of my control. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I just got mixed up, you know, my villain Alex is sort of <laughs> kind of, you know, like easy confused, wow. easy confused. This is great. Um, nice little pullback of the no, curtain there. Alex is, uh, you know, he's not nice to Josie. He also isn't doing things in his best interest, uh, for her best interest. He has hot and cold moments. Sometimes he's super sweet, super nice. Jekyll and kind of hide when he's kind of like, you know, on or off the wagon. It well, that's only like that's only been Josie's in the last two episodes. Defense. I think most of the the season he's been really trying to help her. It's just yes, he does make mistakes because. He's has a whatever is going on in his head. It just doesn't quite land everything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think part of it is like he's not quite as talented as the rest of the crew. Like he wants to be a producer, yeah. but he's just not very good at it yet. And he's not good in the same way that Josie is great at music or Katie is great at fashion or I don't know. Zadra is actually good at business. You know, she he doesn't well, have yeah, those skills there. 
she's also a pretty good singer. Like when we got to hear her sing a couple of times, and that's the thing. That's what hurts the most about this. Episode. Well, not the most, but one of the things is that Josie could have just been mean to uh, Xandra the whole time, but she's been going out of her way to Olive Branch, Olive Branch, Olive Branch to her all the time. It's a lot of olives. And Xandra keeps <laughs> fucking her all, and it's just. This is kind of the straw that breaks that when, uh, you know, she finally has a song on the radio. And it's well, so I think I think there's a couple of things going on here. I mean, I think, first of all, Josie has tried to extend that olive branch. You go back to that scene where they confronted each other in the hallway of the club a couple of episodes back. And wait, was it the bathroom? No, it was the hallway. Yeah, you're right. What are you doing? <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah, they're in the hallway. And <laughs> Jesus Christ, Pete. <laughs> He's he gets it. He's out of control. Uh, You're out of control today. Uh, so they're in the hallway. They're <laughs> talking about uh, the the song where Zandra came in and sang over Josie. And Josie is trying to appeal to her, trying to explain to her, "Listen, we're both artists here. Just treat me as that. Get past this pettiness." That you have going on. And I think this ties into the bigger character arc that they tried to attempt for Josie here, which is we've seen Josie over the course of several seasons of Riverdale. We've seen her over the course of the season of Katie Keene, in particular in Katie Keene. I think the goodness of the characters here, specifically Katie, who always tries to overcome things with niceness and kindness wherever possible, has brushed off on Josie where she has learned to... Not by not putting her music first doesn't necessarily mean she's putting her music second. That by putting people, <laughs> well, check, uh, check the math on like, that. By <laughs> by putting people first and trying to appeal mm-hmm. to people's better nature, it doesn't hurt her singing career and it doesn't hurt her art. It makes her only better and stronger as an artist to have the support system around her because she can't do it by, on her own. And I think that's what she sees Zandra doing is doing it on her own. And she is trying to say, listen, try to learn the same lessons I do. I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's great is like Josie's had a really impressive arc from Riverdale into this show where she's just like, my career, my career, my career, everything else, fuck off, you know? And that burned her with her her first time in Riverdale when she had the pussycats and everybody's like, you know, this isn't just, we're not all here from you. And she learned that in this show. And it's nice to see her, especially in this episode, like do a lot of things that I think is really impressive as far as another human trying to help another human. Yeah, well, let's get into it. So she um, she confronts uh, Xander at Chubby's. Uh, Xander has turned Chubby's into a a uh, merch pop up shop. A merch pop up shop. Um, totally cool. Chubby not loving it. Nope. Yeah, he does not look at very funny shot of him wearing the shirt though. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Do you think Xander was like Chubby? Put on my shirt. He's like, like, come on, Sandra. This is my house. This is my store. And she was like, chubby. (laughs) Chubby, 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 chubby. And he did it. Uh, And... While they're in the middle of the fight, uh, Josie confronts Andrew and is like, hey, you stole my song. I just heard on the radio. You crushed my dreams. And she's like, you want to talk about crushed dreams? Alex is uh, using drugs again, and which is an unfair. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, cool. really deflected what was happening. Like, all of a sudden, the radio and the song doesn't matter anymore, and her dreams doesn't matter because the guy that she's dating and also this dude's brother, stepbrother, and they used to date, and that's fucking creepy as fuck. So 
what does Josie do? She fucking organizes a goddamn uh, what you call it? Intervention. Well, and hold on. Before out. we get there, it's important to talk about the scene where she talks to Alex about it, and he's yes. acting like a fucking bad man. All he's like, post. he's like, I'm cool. I'm very cool. I'm very cool. Massive nosebleed. He <laughs> leaves without his coat, and Josie pulls out the a, a cartoon bag of cocaine from his yeah. pocket. That bag of cocaine was amazing. That was an amazing, amazing prop. And I was looking at some of the writer's tweets when the episode was going on, and even they were like, holy shit, that's a big bag of cocaine. So I don't know. There must have been like a visual thing on set or something like that. Because I bet was... I bet one of the writers was like, put a little more, a little more, a little more, 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 more. Yeah, that's right. More, a little more cocaine. Yeah, bigger bag. Big more bags. Bigger bags. Yeah. And then their nose bled. Yeah, exactly. But in that case, it was them using their psychic powers for the first time. I mean, I'm sure it was one of those things where they had a regulation size of cocaine, whatever that is, and they probably just didn't oh, play whatever well for that TV. is. I'm peed, and, then, and I don't know what bag sizes cocaine comes in. I, I, you're damn right I don't. But you were like, it was an amazing bag of cocaine. I've never seen a cocaine bag to be luxurious. I mean, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I think that it was just a cartoonish bag of cocaine, which is kind of ridiculous. But in Katie Keene's filtered world, everybody has cocaine. That, yeah, that it's Katie Keene, I mean? the, show like, is, the show is built on big dreams and big bags yeah, of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a regular size bag of cocaine. Yeah, it's like a, how a New York minute is like really fast. A New York oh, yeah. bag of cocaine is really big. <laughs> you got to stay up all night, every night. Yeah. Uh, Pete and I did something like that once when we were much littler. We had a, a huge, we thought it was a bag of flour that we were sneaking out of the flour store. Uh, and then we tripped and fell when the giant cat was chasing us and we fell into it. And that turned out to be cocaine, but it was very funny in that scenario. Like a lot of orphans, you are out in front of the cocaine shop just begging for a little pinch. <laughs> yeah. Please, Mr. Cocaine, can I have a little bump? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Josie does confront Alex in the park with Zandra, which I think really underscores this point of her reaching out to other people, yes. trying to think the best of other people. And it, I, it wouldn't have worked if it was just one of them, right? Like Alex would not yeah. have gotten to rehab in that case. So I do think it does work. I like seeing Josie and Zandra stick together. If we do get a second season, I don't expect that that's necessarily going to keep up with their best friends right now. Um, but I'm glad that they took that step with Alex to help him out. Yeah. I mean, imagine like confronting your current girlfriend and your ex-girlfriend, who's also your sister. Like that's going to have extra weight. Behind <laughs> oh, man. That's... I would need cocaine just to get through that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's why whenever I do an intervention, I bring drinks just because, like, you're going to need them, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know, it's so stressful. Them. I just need to relax for a second. So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want some cocktails? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I'll, one other thing that we learned in the Josie storyline, um, Xandra very offhand mentions that her and um, this superfluous character named K.O. happen to have Stop broken up. Stop that. That is Katie Keene's true love. She is finally coming to that realization, although slow that it is. Mm. Stop dismissing KO. I, I don't know if she's coming to that uh, realization, but I guess we'll talk about that later, if we have time. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we have time to get to that. Uh, let's jump over to Pepper's storyline, because that's also relatively short and pretty much separate. Uh, the big thing there is she gets out of jail. Only Jorge and I was about to say Pepper, Jorge and Josie are there, uh, which I thought was very sweet. Obviously, this is emphasized, but Josie after really doubting Pepper at the beginning, is there for her at the end of the season. Uh, But Katie isn't there. This was a weird choice to me. And the reason this plot line was a weird choice of having Katie really doubt Pepper is I thought that was resolved last episode. Like we had that very sweet scene when they get to the Pepper plant where Katie sees the whole fashion corner she set up. She meets her dad, (laughs) seems very happy about that before K.O. Kelly appears out of absolutely nowhere. Is like, Katie, I got some advice for you. Hey, stay focused, asshole. Right. Yeah. Sorry about that. But hey, hey, is this your fashion corner or are these all your (laughs) mannequin friends hanging out? (laughs) <laughs> Hello, Matt. Why did you never introduce me to your mannequin friends when we were dating? Are you guys just upset that KO just has to think of a place and then he appears there? Is that what you're upset about? Yes. That KO has an uncanny ability to be wherever he is needed right at the time that he should be seeing something? He is well, let me sort ask of you a... this, Pete. Then why nope. does he fucking need to take the train at the end of the episode? Great call. Pete, when you um, when you were because something happens on that train and he needs to be there for it. Uh, Pete, when you were walking um, on the beach next to Ko and looked back, how many sets of footprints were there? Just one. <laughs> five. Just five one. sets of footprints. <laughs> yeah. He brought all the mannequins with him. He was carrying me the whole time. Hey, P, I'll carry you wherever, however many beaches we got to go down. <laughs> Rockaway Beach. That's a New York that's, beach. Cody hey, Island. I don't know, wherever. Katie, should I That's fight be- should I fight these mannequins or you wanna leave them with your clothes on them? <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> okay. And that's uh Pepper storyline. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's not Pepper's storyline. You were building up no, to the what fact I was that building Katie up to, though, w- is uh, it felt like dramatically we reached this resolution with the Katie Pepper uh, rift in the last episode, but it's still very much there in this episode, which threw me a little bit. I understand it's more realistic that you're not going to let go of stuff that easily. But again, from a dramatic, episodic perspective, it threw me for a little loop that it came back so strong. I don't know why you were upset. Katie was like, you had a secret father this whole time, and that hurt me because, you know, I don't have a father or I'm trying to make this new boss guy my father or I don't know. anyone. <laughs> with Wait, I'm sorry. L- Which L- boss L- guy I she tried up. to make her father? Guy? Leo. Oh, Leo. 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 Oh. Yeah. oh, the end of the episode. I got you. Yeah. Right. But... Uh, uh, you know, so that triggered her. She was that. like, secret dads are a trigger for me. And fuck you, Pepper, for having a dad this whole time and being embarrassed of him. He's a hardworking, nice man who cares about you. Fuck you, Pepper. Well, well, yeah, I I don't know that this this part threw me a little bit for different reasons, because Katie forgave her for literally stealing from her, which could have gotten right. her fired and ruined. diamond purse, which is, as you all know. Very important when you have diamond purses. Yes. Uh, and as we all know, Pete is a big um, diamond purse retailer in the New yep. York and tri-state area. Yeah, for, yep. yeah. How's that going right now with everything going on, Pete? How are you doing? Uh, not good. Not good. I've had to branch out to Philadelphia to try to get my diamond purses back on the street. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh, it's been going not good, so you've actually expanded your business. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> We've had to move locations. Nice. Gotcha. And as we all know, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly diamond purses. Yes. Uh, but Pepper and Katie Just do Just think about this it. for a second, guys. A cheesesteak that comes in a diamond purse, everybody wins. Mm. Oh, God. It's so gross. That's yeah, your, your model of single-use diamond purses feels <laughs> extravagant. Here you go, oh. sir. $10. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a piece of cheesy meat. I apologize. <laughs> Let me reach back into my diamond purse. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I just bought the cheesesteak and the diamond purse. Is this microwave safe? I want to reheat my <laughs> cheesesteak. Hot diamonds. No, not. Very hot diamonds. That's uh, the name of his company is Hot Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That feels a lot like you're stealing these diamonds. And I mean it both ways. <laughs> these diamonds are hot. <laughs> stolen. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, my point was... Pepper feels, or Katie forgives her for stealing from her, but can't forgive her for keeping her father's secret. Well, that's that's just Katie's issue with the way Pepper is living her life. Like, I I feel like those things are flipped in the way a normal person would react to it. So, so I did think it was an interesting choice, um, but I Wait. do like the way it played out, and I like the way mm-hmm. um, that Pepper and Katie eventually came together in this, uh, in so, this episode. So are you saying that if... Uh, you revealed this whole time that you had a, a secret, uh, you know, parental figure, and uh, I couldn't get upset at you from keeping that from us. Is that what you're saying? Well, that feels more like. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Pete. Did you just drop your candle? What, what went on there? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, my glue stick, actually. But thank you. What are uh, you doing? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are craft? you actively doing? <laughs> Sunday afternoon. It's crafts time. So, what are you crafting? R- r- yeah, you got a glue stick and a candle. <laughs> <laughs> You're very close. <laughs> Just a couple uh, more things, Pete. All right, if you don't want to yeah. say what it is, that's fine. Keep your secrets. Oh, oh my look, gosh. At, look at I made the snowflake. <laughs> Wow. You're the only that... one not quarantining with children, yet you're making uh, <laughs> little paper doll snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to mm-hmm. trade places because I can't get my kids to do crafts. All they're doing is playing Smash Brothers all day, and I feel like you would like that. Oh, Pete. yeah, man, I wish. I mean, that's great. Just, who is your character in Smash Brothers, by the way? <laughs> great question. I usually play Wario. What? Yes. Of course, of course. You would pick the evil guy. You. <laughs> No, oh, Warrior's great because you just have to do one key and you throw people in the air. That's pretty much it. I'm terrible at these games. Yeah, it's almost like you're not um, playing at all. That's the yeah. fun. <laughs> That's the fun of it. Wario because he most looks like you? Whoa. Thank wow. you. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's getting real spicy over here. Pete's doing his <laughs> Sunday afternoon crafting cocaine and saying some <laughs> nasty shit. <laughs> I mean, as far as I can tell from what he has set up, all he's doing is smearing glue all over the place in an enclosed space. So that explains that. Yeah, that explains uh, why his eyes are permanently crossed. Getting back uh, to Pepper's storyline, other than the Katie stuff, though, the big thing is her dealing with Miss Frisia, who still wants to do cons, uh, but ultimately she shuts her down. Uh, the two things that I thought were great about this storyline, um, one, of course, is Bernadette Peters just free range singing just in the wild. Free there. range. Yeah. Free range. <laughs> it's great, though. I love that they can bring Bernadette Peters on the show and just let her sing. That's so much fun. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is like, Pepper actually taking a stand and closing that chapter of her life. I think, again, if we see a season two, 
there's no way that's not going to come back. Like just from a production standpoint, you want Bernadette Peters in your show as much as possible, but yeah. also it's very fruitfully dramatic to have her say, I'm over that part of my life. I'm a producer. Now I have my dream multi-use art space. Uh, and then all of these people start coming back in being like, Hey, you ripped me off. You conned me. You're going to get sucked back into this life at this moment. And I think that's what we'd probably see with Pepper going forward. 100%. And the inevitable Dragon Ball Z crossover. Of course. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely. Gonna but also, it's interesting that, like, Pepper's owning her father a little bit. And uh, it does make me nervous, though, that she took his dream home money to pay off Bernadette Peters. Uh, well, but he already lost yeah. the, the apartment that he wanted. And I think the point was Pepper needed to realize that she has actual people that care for her as opposed to people like uh, like. Miss Frisia, who uh, just are taking advantage of her and, and using her for her own ends. And I think that was really well played out and very concisely um, as well. We just got a couple hits with Pepper. And then Pepper does truly feel better She by the yep. end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I like the storyline. I like how it wrapped up. It was nice. And it definitely tied in nicely with the fashion show scene that I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, should we jump over to Jorge, speaking yes. of which? yeah. Uh, dramatically so, fruitful storyline. Yes, um, fruit full of fruit, full of dramatic fruit. I mean, and of course, a, a dramatic fruit is a papaya. <laughs> papaya. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, legit bodega in this show, which, you know, when you think of Katie Keene, you don't think about the realism, but that bodega that they are in for this app. Uh, that's that's a real deal, New York City bodega there. So that was nice to see. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, that must have been a nightmare to shoot in, just because the aisles are so tight and everything. But um, they did a really good job of making it feel like the correct layout and not a fantasy Friends style bodega, which I appreciated. Although I was a little disappointed they didn't have a shot of the bodega cat. But you know, whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I know it's so hard to wrangle animals. Um, I got to say, uh, speaking personal New York uh, time, uh, during this quarantine, I've really missed going into bodegas. I walked past one this morning, and oh, that bodega man. smell came out, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Dying for, like, a sausage, egg, and cheese uh, situation. I'm a ham, egg, uh, ham, egg, and cheese guy myself. Uh, okay, that cool. is bacon, egg, and cheese, so we've covered all the bases. But I agree. Nice. Like, that's not to get too off track here because we've been so on track this entire podcast. But that yep. is the big thing that I think about, like, just casually going into bodega, getting a bacon, oh. egg, and cheese, and a cup of oh. coffee. Perfect. Just absolutely yeah. perfect. But, you know, someday. We'll get someday. it back. We'll do um, it. Uh, you guys put hot sauce on yours, right? Uh, not usually when I get it out at home, I'll usually make like this morning. I made some breakfast tacos, made those with some hot sauce. Okay. Look at this guy. Really? Wow. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Jorge or not really. really Actually, I think we were in the middle of Alex's flex session where he was talking about (laughs) all the shit that he's making. (laughs) Uh, no big deal. Pizza to glue. I'm making breakfast tacos. Basically the same thing. And I provided mm-hmm. my usual breakfast for my family, which is just pouring a bunch of cereal out on the floor, and we all eat it <laughs> at our own at our own pace. Yeah, that's upstate New York, right there, baby. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. So yeah, Jorge. Um, as we learned last time, they're losing the building. Uh, real trouble. Um, 
And so Jorge wants to do something about it. So he goes up and gathers signatures. Um, and there's a little uh, sort of backstory. The, the way this is shot, um, the, the staircase, the outdoor staircase that it's in front of, is actually very coincidentally uh, right where Roberto Aguirre Sacasa used to live when he first moved to New York, which I thought was a fun – the location and scout just happened to pick this place. Then they also oh, – Oh, go ahead, Pete. I was going to say that they also had like typical New Yorker moment where uh, Jorge's out in the street fighting for something. He's like, they're going to turn my, uh, you know, home into an equinox. And this douchey couple's like, ooh, an equinox, about time. And you're saying you agreed with the douchey couple as I did, right? No. Gentrify as much as possible? Yeah, you're an asshole. More Starbucks is more Trader (laughs) Joe's. Strong stance. Strong stance for Mr. Uh, Breakfast Taco over here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Unless you're talking Wegmans, I don't want to hear about it. Wow. You can talk Wegmans if you want. <laughs> Not, now yeah, we're talking definitely we're all talking gentrify Wegmans. that neighborhood. Now we're getting very in the weeds with New York geography. Yeah. Uh, so we have a big dramatic, another, uh, the other big drama going on is uh, Jorge and his father finally sort of uh, come to grips with what uh, their split over Jorge uh, playing, uh, being ginger, um, and we find out that um, uh, Jorge's uncle, uh, his dad's brother, um, was, I guess, secretly gay, came out, and then died of AIDS. Uh, and that's sort of like, finally the dad sort of reveals that to Jorge, and that explains why he's so reticent to accept Jorge's uh, lifestyle, which I thought was sort of like a bit simplified, but a, a, a nice, unexpected way to resolve their disagreements. Also, there was an interesting moment where Jorge was like, you know, you've got to fight. You can't just accept things the way that they are. You know, they were like, hey, we're losing this home. You know, like that's how it's going to be. You know, start looking for new places to live. And Jorge was like, no, we can't just accept this. We can go and fight that. And I thought it was an interesting kind of point of like his dad kind of like uh accepting things the way that they are and kind of like being sad about possibilities in the future. And then Jorge, who's kind of like this light is kind of like, you know, you can change things, you can make things for the better. And I'm going to go out, even if I just have to run up to people on the street and get signatures. So it was pretty cool. Uh, to what you were saying, Justin, I think the reason this worked for me is it felt like it wasn't the only thing they've done a good job of having Jorge's dad slowly wrestle with different aspects of Jorge's sexuality, of who Jorge is as ginger, uh, that that truly is ginger. And they've hit it in a lot of different ways. Like they've had the physical safety thing because there literally were gangs going around the city uh, who beat up ginger and beat up her uh, boyfriend, Bernardo. Um, So that was one aspect of it. There was also just the basic aspect where we talked about a lot on the podcast of not understanding it, like not being able to wrap your yeah. head around, this is my son, Jorge. How can Jorge be ginger? That doesn't make any sense. That's just a costume that he is putting on and not understanding that aspect. And I think this last thing about the uncle was more about that being the last step Jorge's dad needed to just reveal this information so that he emotionally can move forward versus, oh, this is the reason he's been so against this, you know? I, I think so. And I think it's been hard for, he's like, just stop dressing up like that. You'll be safer if you, if you don't dress like ginger. And Jorge's like, I am ginger. 
And I think it's been the data just hasn't been able to fully accept that. And it, it does feel like as this episode goes on and we see uh, Ginger has the big performance in the park um, where uh, where she wins the award from the uh, from the uh, the former uh, title holder of uh, <laughs> Miss Washington Heights, I want to say. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. It was uh, the Molly's crisis drag pageant that Shangela, whatever her character was named, won and handily beat Ginger at, uh, but ultimately gives her the award here. Yeah. We get a big performance. The, the dad's there. Uh, later on in the fashion show, um, uh, Ginger's parents are there supporting her. Like it's, It all does seem to come together in the end. Yeah, like the title. Uh, we should also not skip by the fact that they perform Kaga by Gloria Estefan, which was... yes. Delightful, just ridiculous and, and over the top, and everybody's immediately into it. We also get to see uh, Francois uh, as his yeah. drag mother personality. And Jorge's mom, too, also gets down a little bit, great. which is great. So much great fun. Time. Classic. Uh, I thought, I was kind of surprised the Gloria Stefan thing made said, I thought they were going to do like In the Heights from the musical because they kept dropping Washington Heights, but yeah. maybe, maybe Lynn didn't want to give them the rights to that one. Wow. Oh, Alex. Oh, don't you shots fired at Lynn. You take that back. Like, more like I, Lynn Manuel Mersaka. I don't oh, know. Oh, you stop that <laughs> right now. I think that wasn't just, a good insult, Pete. Don't get upset. I don't care. It was still an insult, and I'm not going to stand for it. I think that it, one of those things were. More like Shamilton. Shamilton. There you go. Oh, my God. You're a fucking uh, piece of shit. I do think it was interesting. Um, we do see earlier in the episode, Jorge goes to Buzz. I thought maybe that was going to sort of mean something, but no, seems like yep. not. We do see. You know who was at the conga performance? Bernardo. Bernardo. Mm. That's was, what I was getting at. That's who Jorge's supposed to be with, and that's his true love. So stop fucking around. But well, they they don't. There's no moment of them together at all. But there kind of is because he's there supporting Jorge and Ginger. So you know. All right. Okay. <laughs> There's one more bit that we should probably get to when case. we talk about the end <laughs> so stuff. So uh, We'll get to who shows up in the bodega in a second. Um, but shall we jump over to Katie's storyline? Yes, let's do that. Katie Keene. So at the top of the episode, um, Katie sees Guy uh, and instantly gives him some shit. Um, he confesses to stealing all of uh, all of these designs from her and all of his other assistants. Um, but to make up for it, he wants Katie to be his lead designer, uh, which was I was it was I was tough. It was tough to sort of watch this because obviously Guy is uh, sort of stealing, but also this would make her. This is her dream. This would make her life. He's better. Not just stealing. He's taking people's ideas and then ruining them in the fashion industry. Like he has a bunch of uh, assistants or whatever, you know, and the and the that he's ruined their careers as he's kind of ex- ascended. I, I agree. It's bad. But I when I'm I was putting myself in Katie's position, I'm like, this is very difficult to turn down. Yes. Well, the other thing that makes it really it's, tough, which we've talked about it. I know, Pete, you're going to yell at me for this, but. They have a crazy amount of chemistry. Luke Who Cook. cares about fucking chemistry when one person is evil and one person is a really nice person and shouldn't have to be evil just so she can make it in the industry? And that's why, Justin, it's not a hard choice for her because, yeah, she could take this amazing job, but she's going to hate herself the whole time. Yeah, I'm not saying for- she made the wrong choice. I'm just saying it's w- well done dramatically because I 
when okay. I see characters I make the there. wrong choices or make like choices where I'm like, oh, this could be really good for you. It is it makes it it's a stressful watch. It's like yeah. I always say the end of Dumb and Dumber. When that bus pulls up and they don't get on the bus, <laughs> that's a stressful moment for me, the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, they talk about that in writer's room, right? Like, what's yep. our dumb and dumber bus moment? And exactly. that's what happens here at the beginning of the episode. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad we finally connected these two pieces of content. <laughs> I love connecting content. When I was a kid, I always dreamed of connecting content. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that look at you, you're achieving that dream uh, every, every goddamn day. <laughs> yeah, and Zalbin, uh, to your point, just because someone has chemistry doesn't mean they should be together. But it's uh, but c- counterpoint, he's very hot. Yeah, <laughs> hot. ooh, uh, Alex, yeah, Alex, you, rest you his find case. it attractive that he takes advantage of people and steps on them so he can get better. Well, let's keep talking about the episode um, because a guy also says, "I love you," which is the first time. He's yeah, but done he that. throws that in there as to try to be like, "Hey." You know, don't tell everybody I'm a piece of shit. Uh, You could ruin this all for me. So I'm going to throw I love you on there as well as a job or however many days you want off or whatever you want. Well, but this this moment, the best part about this moment is that once again, K.O. Kelly baffs in from absolutely nowhere in the background, wanders in the door is like, oh, I love you. And that disappears out of absolutely nowhere. I I was trying to get on the subway. Where am I? What is this? Is there a bathroom I could use in here? Yeah. Hey, Katie, I but, saw some of your friends at the window. <laughs> but what's nice is K.O. Kelly represents uh, a pureness, a love, and Katie is doing the wrong thing. And K.O. appears to kind of be like, you shouldn't be doing this. This isn't right for you. Well, but he doesn't interact. I, it's not even clear if she sees him in any way. Yeah, in the it was a little She weird. feels him. She feels No, him. but she doesn't because, like, the she only does, reason though. that he shows up there is so that he can think, Oh, Katie has moved on with guy. It's time for me to move back to Philadelphia. Like that's the reason for him showing up there is that little explanation, but it feels like they shot his scene entirely separately, like weeks later and then subbed it in. Yeah. But can you imagine like making the choice to leave New York and go to Philadelphia? Like what a (laughs) disgusting, what a monster. (laughs) I can't imagine. What competes with the cheesesteak then, huh? What, so wait, Les, let me get the, let me follow up on that. <laughs> Are you saying, Pete, that you moved to Philadelphia to get thinly sliced meat and cheese whiz? Yeah. Wow. And bread. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you would give up, so you would put cheesesteaks over pizza and bagels? Is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. you've changed. Get you the have fuck changed. off my podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, um, I do think that guy believe, I think the guy does love her from his own perspective, not saying he's a good guy, but I don't think he's lying to her here. I agree. Um, so, I think he is. Okay. Um, we get, so Katie is, uh, obviously she, she says yes in this moment, um, to the job. And then she's talking to Amanda. Amanda's mad that Katie's leaving for this other lifestyle. We get a lot, some fun Amanda here. It feels like Amanda yeah. and Katie are friends now. Yeah, the the Amanda moment was really beautiful. They both were talking about the ending of Lacey's and how it's both been there for them as well as so many others. And they kind of uh, talk about it in this she way, like she's been there for us. She has done. And it's really great because not only could they be talking about the store, they could also be talking about Gloria. And it's 
It's a really to see Amanda kind of let Katie in a little bit there and share that moment was really beautiful. The Amanda Katie back and forth is really fun. Well, and it feels like those moments that you have, and I hope anybody listening to this who has not had one of those moments never has one of these moments, but, but like when the company, the place you're working at is completely changing or everybody is getting laid off or something like that, everything evaporates. It becomes you versus that external force that is shutting down the thing that you love or even partially love. Um, and And I like that. It felt very real to me that in this moment all those walls would fall down and they would just be together against the world. Yeah, it was nice. And Amanda's been such a fun character. It was good to have, yeah. uh, give her like a, a sort of a satisfying end for the season. Uh, then we get Katie with a, um, a pretty uh, random, it felt, at least when it started, uh, the musical number felt very out of nowhere, uh, but it was very good. Um, she goes up to the, yeah. we see a flashback of her and her mother. Uh, she goes to but- the lighthouse, her place of power. Yeah, that's her like a little safe place or happy place. And, you know, she's kind of there questioning her life choices and what she should be doing. And, you know, when you're questioning your life choices, sometimes you break out into songs. So I don't know what you're talking about, Justin. I felt like it was a very nice earned moment. It it threw me a little bit at the beginning as well. Like, I think they could have led into it more if she put a song on the radio and was singing along in it and that it just transitioned into her singing or she's wearing what, earbuds or something. What what if she turned to the camera and was like, hey, Alex and Justin, okay if I sing now? <laughs> I would have that. That. That that worked better I would have appreciated yeah, that, it. That would have been nice. Oh, okay. right. So you're saying it makes sense because she just was dealing with a life choice. When, Pete, when you chose to move to Philadelphia, did you sort of have a, uh, like a little cheesesteak love uh, song that you Yeah, was there out? a song you sung? Yeah, there was. There was a song. It was right. I was underneath the bridge. Eating a cheesesteak, and uh, that's when I knew I should be moving to Philadelphia. I want yeah, what to song? be a part of it, <laughs> Philadelphia. Meat <laughs> <laughs> and cheese whiz spraying out of his mouth everywhere. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then I was, like, twisting my mustache and be like, I'm Wario. I'm in a Philadelphia state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that reminds me, how's the cream cheese there, Pete? Good cream cheese in Philadelphia? Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. Great. Uh, so, anyway. I had nothing I like better than slipping in, after a long day, slipping into a nice warm bath of Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless of how I felt it about how they nice, get into actually. it, I like this song, though. Lucy Hale did a great job with it. It really got me emotionally. Um, uh, it was good. It was, it was a really was good. good scene. And I think, uh, I don't know if Waitress is one of her favorite musicals, but I think this is one of her favorite songs from Waitress. Um, yeah. So it was super sweet to get her to sing it. Uh, and then it, of course, leads into her calling Gloria back. Which I, I thought was interesting to have a song that was about like her facing this choice and sort of her mother mixed up in that. And she calls Gloria. So I think that sort of cements her as this sort of fashion mom figure. Which I think and is it was interesting uh, because we don't get a big reveal this season. But um, if we do see a second season, I think Gloria is maybe going to have uh, be mixed up with um, with Katie's mom in maybe a bad way. Mm. Ooh, uh, but I feel like it was fun the way they did that because we didn't know who she was calling. You know, part of me was like, "Oh my god, is she calling Ko?" Yeah, turns out it was Gloria. It turns out it was Gloria, uh, and she comes up with a big plan. She comes up with a big plan to like. What I thought was great about this plan and very consistent with Katie Keene is 
it's not exactly taking down guy, but it is getting the nicest revenge you possibly can on him without knocking anybody down, uh, as well as saving Lacey's at the same time. It was Katie Keene revenge Mm -hmm. where she like politely before important thing was like, Hey, listen, uh, you're a piece of shit and uh, (laughs) you mean nothing to me anymore. So please step aside and the people you've stepped on are now going to rise up and run this shit. So thanks. Bye. And what she does is she calls all of the former assistants. The guy ripped off designs from has them design dresses, puts on a fashion show since it's fashion week. Classic, absolutely, that can happen in New York. You just uh, do a fashion show and then it's just happening. Yeah. Um, I'm doing one in my basement. Oh, great. Later oh, today, congrats. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> it's yes. my own design. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it, true to the title, I love this scene. Like, I love this scene because it yeah. really was bringing everybody's skills together in the best way. You have Josie and the Pussycats playing in the background. Pepper produced it. Gloria invited all the people that needed to be invited to make the show a success. It's Katie's idea and her Ginger's designs. A mo- Ginger's a model. Um Katie got to walk the yeah. runway. She's crying. Like, it was like a great big moment for her. It was an emotional moment. It yeah. was very emotional. I cried during this episode. And uh, it was, I love the way that kind of like Josie also got kind of dressed up and the Pussycats. And it w- worked really well with the the uh, the models walking back and forth to have the live music performance. And then Katie King gets a fucking standing O. Yeah, she gets a standing O, and then also it turns out that Gloria brought the person from. Oh my God, I wanted to say Parsons. Pace, Parsons, Parsons uh, the design school she wanted to get into that she got rejected from, and she gets into Parsons, which yes is great, but means she's going to be balancing several jobs, being in Parsons, multiple guys, very complicated time for Katie Keene. Yeah, Indeed. but also Katie Keene freezes. She's like frozen in time. Sorry, she freezes. Is that what you said? She freezes. Yeah. And she realizes she's at the thing that she's always wanted going to Parsons is now hers. But all she can think about is one person and one person only. And that person is Prince Errol Swoon. Let's (laughs) cut directly to that scene. Uh, No, I did think it was funny. She suddenly misses KO seemingly out of nowhere. And then, um, no, she's finally getting the thing that she wanted. And she wants and to the share person it she with. She wants to talk no, I, to. Yes. Uh, and um, what's his name? <laughs> the um, NYU filmmaker is there holding an old timey camera for some reason. Yep. And he also somehow knows about what is going on with Ko. No, no, they're they're roommates. They're roommates. Uh, Ko mm, and Raj yeah. were roommates. Uh, so that explains that. And also, like to Pete's point. Her whole thing was she had always pictured taking the envelope that was her application to Parsons, walking over to the mailbox with KO and mailing it in honor of her mom. So all of that made sense dramatically to me. The camera thing was ridiculous, but, you know, what? Um, so uh, KO's moving to Philadelphia again, a crazy thing to do. Um, but yeah. she races to Grand Central Station to catch him. Because and we know that Philadelphia, being an hour and a half away, is impossible to get to yeah. <laughs> at any point. Any other way. Yeah. And yeah. it was and I thought I thought it was great what KO said. He said, I'm so happy for you, Katie, but I'm a train now. 
I'm people are gonna ride me to Philadelphia. I'm gonna fulfill my dream of being hey. a train. Fuck you. All right, choo choo off. Choo choo Katie. Choo choo Katie. I hope I meet a good caboose out there someday. Anyway, good uh, luck with the human stuff. I'm hey, a little hungry off, now, so I'm I'm gonna be a dining car. I'm gonna eat coal and make this the wheels turn because I'm a train. Oh, Knock no, a mountain. Off. How will I get up the mountain? Looks like there's a little blue engine that's gonna help me out. Hey, so <laughs> KO is leaving, and Katie Keen runs there to stop him. Now, somebody who's sadly left Grand Central and nobody showed up to say that they love them. It's it's tough. Okay, it is hard. When you turn around a bunch of times and then there's no people there or, you know, maybe somebody you did a podcast with for over 14 years, nobody shows up. It's fucking heartbreaking. That's funny because I have a sort of a similar story. I went to Penn Station with um, a series of cheesesteaks to to see off my great friend Pete LePage as he moved to Philadelphia, but he didn't show up. It's Grand Central, not Penn Station. No, but Penn Station has a lot of... Oh. It's two separate places. I know, I guess. I, uh, I went to the Staten Island Ferry, and I rode it back and <laughs> forth and took some pictures of the Statue of Liberty. That was just unrelated to anything you guys are talking about, but <laughs> oh, I had a very oh, okay. nice time. Oh, well, that's nice. It's yeah. free to ride the ferry. It's free. Um, yeah, you don't have to pay. Yeah, so I can't believe that they had this romantic moment in Grand Central, and Katie Keene doesn't tell K.O., She's just she doesn't want to get in the way of his dreams, which is boxing. And so she lets him go without saying anything, which is fucking ridiculous. And even Jorge says so in the episode. It is. But I think she was she felt selfish to try to make him stay. And this is the same thing they grappled with earlier. Plus, I think he boxed everyone in New York. So he had to go fight people in a different city. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the last little bit over at Lacey's where they figured everything out. Mrs. Lacey turning out to be the surprise villain of the season, which is yeah. interesting yeah. to me. Like that is not what you I thought at all for the first episode. Um, but she's clearly and, like, yeah, take Lacey's burn it to the ground. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Mr. Cabot was also there to be like, uh, don't forget about me. I'm evil, too. Right. At the beginning, he was like, I'm yeah. going to add you all to my clothes buying app or something. It was like, what is this story? Unfortunately, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the way that they figure it out is they get funding from former Prince, now just regular Errol Swoon. Just regular guy. Who's invested in it, installed Gloria at the head. And Mrs. Lacey is such because she says you always have to have a Lacey at the helm. And they reveal, no, in fact, there is a Lacey at the helm. It's Leo Lacey, a.k.a. Cariules, who I can never pronounce the name of, a.k.a. Elvis. Wesley, from The Princess Bride. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Is revealed. Because he said, as you wish, to Katie Keene, and I started crying. Yeah. Wow. That is a perfect Leo Lacey. I am very excited about that. Yes. Really cool choices um, that they went with there. Um, and, and, of course, one, Katie Go ahead. Katie Keene, who's always, you know, like uh, sometimes struggling with things when she gets overwhelmed, just kind of blurts out, hi, you might be my father when he introduces himself, which is a hell of a thing to say when you're meeting your boss for the first time. Yes, that was very intense. I also thought there was a very cute moment with Errol on the elevator, which I think is uh, something to look forward to. Stop reaching. 
stop reaching. It's They're, not reaching. It's definitely that's not definitely reaching. what's going to happen. Um, and Ko at that point will be like, uh, "I'm a boat now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sail back to you, Katie. Oh no, <laughs> Lacey's it's landlocked. <laughs> uh, the couple of things that happened here um, Pepper um, uh, decides she's going to manage Josie Really cementing their relationship yep, that I think that's a, nice. a good, good thing for next season um, And then we can't forget to talk about um, One Hiram Lodge Oh um, yes yeah. So in the bodega The Lopezers are there They've managed to save their building And in walks none other Than Hiram Lodge Says I used to be a resident of the Heights You know I was gonna Buy up this whole block You stopped me from doing this Maybe it's time for me to move back home And that's a huge tease Pete I know you were very angry At me last episode for spoiling this Even though the information was out there for a really long time And I didn't in fact spoil it and you shouldn't have got angry But how did you feel about this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I it w- it's great because I uh, Mr. Hiram Hiram is a, a fun Thank villain. Thank you for calling him Mr. by the <laughs> Mr. way. Yeah, uh, Mr. Hiram. Mr. Uh, Hiram Hiram is all uh, what, do you work he's for a him, fun Pete, villain. Or how's it? <laughs> uh, I can't wait for some fizzle rocks or whatever it is to, uh, to start spreading in New York City. Um I thought this was really well done. He it was so creepy and very Twin Peaksy, uh, which yeah. I, I mean oh, as a compliment. Love that shit. Uh, yeah, uh, really cool. And I wonder, does this connect with Riverdale at all? Since now we know that Riverdale is going to be doing a big time jump, are we meant to think here that Hiram's been in New York for all this time and now he is going back to Riverdale, which lines up with that timeline? No, I think the opposite of anything. I thought the implication here was whatever's happened. He was coming back to New York. Right. So that potentially if there was a Katie Keene season two, Hiram would potentially be moving from Riverdale to Katie Keene and be on the show as a villain. And they even talked about this in interviews a little bit afterwards where they said by necessity, they haven't had a villain on the show, like a real villain on the show in the same way that they have on Riverdale. But they would have to change it a little bit so it fits Katie Key, and it's not like he'd be going around murdering people all the time or anything like that. Um, no, but it's I, probably just... He's going to probably open up a jail in the Heights where he can sure. like, work out alone. You know? He could definitely fight KO. And I yeah. gotta tell you, like, I think it makes sense to bring higher... I never would have necessarily put that together, but I think it makes a lot of sense to have him in the show in New York, and it also probably makes sense for Mark Consuelos, whose family lives in New York City, to film there rather than Vancouver, so it would probably make it potentially easier on him just from a logistical standpoint. Um, So I like that. I like him potentially adding it to the show and seeing what he would bring to it. That would be fun. It would be fun. So should we talk about... Season two prospects and just general overall season one thoughts. Now, yeah, now's yeah, a I great mean, organic time to bring beginning. it up. Yeah, yeah I mean, there that's we go. what you wanted to do because when you you tipped your hat at the beginning of the episode. So, uh, well, I, first thing I think we should talk about is just like uh, the season two prospects. It's uh, in my opinion and just based on everything they said, a little dicey. Honestly, like I, so for my day job, I was at a. Uh, 
uh, call with the CW heads. They had a bunch of press folks on. I'm not flexing, Pete. I'm giving information. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, my day job where I'm really hooked into what's happening in the world, and I know insider yeah. shit, so, you know. Yeah, let's yes, hear what he's, let's hear what he's going to make for lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> more tacos, more breakfast tacos. It's all I know how to cook. Ooh, lunch um, tacos. Sick flex. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the heads of the CW, they were doing their scheduling call, and they talked a little bit about it. And the, Mark Pedowitz, who's the head of the network, was very specific. They're very happy with the creative aspects of Katie Keene. They love the show. They think it's great. They think everything that they did in the first season was great. But from a broadcast rating standpoint and also from a streaming standpoint, it's not great right now. Like, specifically... Oh. If you look at the broadcast ratings, which are a minimal concern for the CW, they're more looking for streaming, they're looking for social conversation, all of those other things. Um, But even from an overnight broadcast, it's not that great. But the bigger problem is it's not improving a lot on streaming, not in the same way that other first season shows like Nancy Drew or Batwoman did, where I believe they went up like 30, 35% after the broadcast airing, just in terms of people watching it DVR'd and streamed on the CW app and everything else. But they, it's clear they want to make it work. Like they want to figure out a way to make a second season of Katie Keene, but it's going to depend a lot on how much people stream on the CW, the entire first season is up there for the next couple of months, and then eventually it's going to go on HBO Max. Uh, that's launching at the end of May. I don't believe it's launching with Katie Keene. That's happening later on. Um, but when it does eventually go there, they're going to look for those numbers as well. So, so you're, so you're saying th- it's up to us to save it. If we just all start streaming it, you know, just putting it on, even if it's just in the background, hit and play on the CW website. I mean, seriously, yes. I don't think individual (laughs) people will help, but like if thousands of people do that all the time, that's going to be very encouraging to them as a devoted fan base. So all we have to do is get like uh, hashtag Conga trending on Twitter and play Glorious and just keep playing the episodes over and over again on the CW website. Then we can save Katie Keene. Yeah, I would say the third thing you said was the most effective versus getting hashtag Conga and play Gloria Estefan songs. Um, Maybe watching the episodes would work. Um, it, It doesn't look great for a second season of it, but if it does catch on, if more people watch it again, uh, by this is just kind of spitballing based on the information they said, but I could see a world where they do something similar to what happened with Doom Patrol on DC Universe, where nobody watches DC Universe, but people really like the show, and they ended up coming up with a co-production deal where the seasons are now going on both HBO Max and DC Universe. So I could see something yeah. like that happening in the future where they're like, all right, streaming went up a little bit. HBO Max pays for half of it, CW pays for half of it, and we put it up in both places. But again, we'll see what happens. It's months off. The CW is not starting their new shows until January, so it's not going to be until sometime in 2021, but it's not canceled yet. But to your point, like if HBO Max, uh, which debuts in like a couple weeks, um, when that comes, if Katie Keene ends up being like a early breakout uh, watch for a lot of people, um, especially on the, a streaming platform where they don't have a lot of new shows and especially maybe not a lot of new shows for younger people. It, it has a shot to be sort of that thing that people go mm-hmm. there to watch. Then maybe they could get a second season. Well, that's exactly so what happened with Riverdale. Chance. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying there's a chance. That's exactly what happened with Riverdale. Like Riverdale was a sizable hit in the first season, but it wasn't until it dropped on Netflix that it became a huge hit. And honestly, most people think 
of Riverdale as a Netflix show. Like that's yeah. where they're watching that. That's where they're waiting for it. So if the same thing could happen with Katie Keen on HBO Max, and again, there's a lot of ifs there, uh, it could potentially be picked up. That all said, general thoughts about season one. What's your what's your overall take on season one of Katie Keen? Pete, you want to throw something out there? Sure. I I feel like um, they did a good job with the will they won't they fun. Um, I I liked uh, kind of a, the way they do musicals when it feels more natural. Uh, they have a lot of talented singers and actresses. I'd like to be able to see them continue their arcs. I hope we get more. I, I was impressed. It was fun. I didn't think I'd like it this much. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this is a very magical show. It's a show that, um, I mean, we've talked about this a lot over the course of um, our podcast season. Like, it really f- reminds me of when I first moved to New York and that feeling of, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I want to be doing. Everything is happening at once. I'm overwhelmed all the time, but it's fun and exciting, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else uh, besides New York City. And they, they capture that so well with this show. So I would definitely like to see um, sort of that next step for all these characters. Yeah, and I think they did they did a very smart, very typical showrunner thing with the finale here which is throw out a couple of cliffhangers that make it feel like a no-brainer to bring it back for a second season, specifically the Hiram Lodge thing that ties it much closer to Riverdale. Riverdale is going to have a time jump half through through season five, so you can have more coordination there. Because right now, I think the issue facing it is it feels pleasant and it feels happy, so you don't... On the surface, it doesn't feel like it has that dramatic necessity to watch, but... I think it's nice to watch something like that every week. It's nice to watch people be nice to each other and be friends and support each other. And I think that's important in a very different way than, you know, a murder teen show is also important, fun to watch. Yeah, Yeah. I think to Justin's point, like maybe the, you know, everyone on the show realizes like, why are we so stressed being New York City? Why don't we just go down to Philly like KO's doing? Oh, here you know, we get go. Get better cheesesteaks and live a little bit cheaper and have more fun. I guess not everybody has, makes a lot of their big choices based on like uh, un- decidedly unhealthy dinner. Food. <laughs> <laughs> weird. That is weird. And you guys are not weird. You guys are all dreamers. Every single last one of you who have listened to this podcast over the course of the season. Thank you so much. Thank you. A couple of things we'll plug before we go. If you want to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Both do Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. Happy to chat about Katie Keene there. Socially, you can check us out on our Riverdale socials at Riverdale Dark on Twitter at Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And you guys, you gals, you folks, all of you out there, keep on dreaming. And just slip into a nice lavender bath.